Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Is there anybody who didn't cry during today's hearings on the January 6th committee? Better the next time, God help us. And if we're so driven by bigotry and hate that we attack our fellow citizens as traitors, if they're born in another country or they don't look like us, Okay, Adam Schiff. You, a man who lied about Russia, Russia, Russia. You, a man who lied about Congressman Devin Nunez. You, a man who has lied about everything, are now discussing not attacking your fellow citizen. Because I'd be down with not attacking my fellow citizen. I agree with not attacking your fellow citizen. But he got a little choked up there. I, did, did, did you just have a moment where you realized all the things you've done wrong? What a bad person you are? What, a, what terrible, awful, evil mistakes you have made? Maybe this was a moment of, of, of revelation for the congressman from California. But probably not. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. There's more going on in the world than just just this. Uh, with the 1-6 committee, there's more that's going on uh, than just the border, the Olympics, and I'll get into the whole Simone Biles thing. I'm going to wait for more information to come out to get full details, but I'll just give you the, the basics of, of what I know and this whole concept of, of mental health and where, where a problem may lie. I'll I'll get to that coming up. But how crazy to see a story that says public defenders side with Second Amendment in challenge to New York carry laws. Are we now seeing people supporting the Second Amendment in the places where they're supposed to hate the Second Amendment? Is there hope for lawful gun ownership, lawful gun owners, people who want to exercise their Second Amendment rights, which are not up for debate rights? Cam Edwards joins us right now. He is the editor at BearingArms.com. He is the host of Cam and Company, and you often hear him here, uh, filling in for me when I am unavailable. The man is a champion and the Second Amendment guy. Uh, this story, these amicus briefs that have been filed with the Supreme Court to challenge the May issue concealed carry laws of New York are kind of fascinating. First, let's discuss what may issue means versus shall issue, and then what is it that these public defenders are saying about this New York law? Sure. Uh, it's going to be here, by the way. Uh, so so most states around the country have what we call shall issue laws. Basically, um, you meet the training requirements, you pass a background check, you get your concealed carry license. It's as simple as that. But there are still eight states, and New York is one of them, that are deemed May issue. In other words, you can pass the background check. You can have all of the training that's required. And the state may decide to issue you a carry permit, or they may decide not to uh, because they've decided that you don't have a, a good cause to carry a gun. You don't have a justifiable need, or they don't think that you're a suitable individual. Uh, and that is the case in New York State. You've got to appease a county sheriff or a county judge in order for you to obtain 
a carry license, and they can deny you for any reason or no reason whatsoever. Uh, because as these public defenders point out, in New York State, they turn the Constitution on its head. Instead of a right to keep and bear arms, you have the privilege to do so, but only if the state gives you explicit permission. Uh, and you've got to beg for that permission and pay hundreds of dollars in fees, by the way, uh, before the state may deign to let you exercise your right. It's a frightening thing to hear may let you exercise your right because, therefore, mm -hmm. it is once that happens, it stops being a, a, a right. So when we take a look at what these public defenders are doing in New York, what what is it that they're saying about these may issue laws and how they, they have to go? Well, they're saying that these laws uh, actually end up criminalizing good people and, and making them into violent felons. Because, Tony, this is crazy. In New York State, if you are caught carrying a gun without a license, that's considered a violent felony. You haven't robbed anybody. You haven't carjacked anybody. You're carrying because you've been robbed in the past before, and now you want to be able to protect yourself. But if, if the police catch you with a gun... That's a violent felony, punishable by three and a half to 15 years in prison. But keep in mind, we have 21 states around the country right now where no license is needed. If you can legally own a gun, you can legally carry it. Uh, but in New York State, if you don't have that permission slip, you're going to prison. And so these public defenders from not only New York City but from upstate New York as well banded together. They wrote this brief to the Supreme Court. They lay out the racist history of New York's gun control laws put in place back in 1911 with the explicit uh, desire to prevent, at the time, Negroes and immigrants from bearing arms in self-defense. Uh, and they point out that even today, this supposedly colorblind statute puts far more black people behind bars. I think uh, they said something like New York City, 70 percent of the population is non-Hispanic white, but about 80 percent of those who are arrested for carrying a gun without a license are black. Uh, and these are people who, for the most part, don't have violent criminal histories. They don't have criminal records, but now they're turned into violent felons because of the New York law on the books. So they're advocating not only that the Supreme Court strike down New York's law as unconstitutional, they're actually advocating that the Supreme Court rule that, that no license should be necessary to carry a firearm, that the Constitution means what it says, the Second Amendment means what it says, and the right to both keep and bear arms should not be predicated on obtaining a government permission slip. Talking to Cam Edwards of BearingArms.com, B-E-A-R-I-N-G, BearingArms.com. This sounds to me, when I when I hear you tell the story, that, okay, these aren't uh, uh, public defenders who, who somehow have all of a sudden fallen in love with people's gun rights, but rather they don't want to be bogged down in the minutia and in the craziness. It's a waste of their time. There are more serious issues out there. This is about... Getting this is like the people who say we shouldn't prosecute on a low level marijuana because what do we care if somebody's smoking a joint? Just leave it be and let's talk about the serious stuff that's out there. That's the feel I get. I think that there's a, a uh, yeah, there, there's a, a part of that, but I think that the brief actually goes further and, and argues that these laws create a serious problem. Uh, and they lay out several specific cases of clients that these defenders have, have worked with before. Um, who, again, not violent offenders. There was one woman, for instance, who lived in Texas. She had a concealed carry license in Texas. She and her husband split up. She takes their kids to New York to go visit their dad. Apparently, somebody called police with a tip. We don't know who it is. But police ended up hauling her out of her car, threw her down on the ground, you know, put her in cuffs, 
they, they discovered the gun in her vehicle. They took her away from her two children. She was arrested. Eventually, the charges are dismissed. Eventually. She's one of the lucky ones. But as these public defenders pointed out, because of that felony arrest, a judge in Texas ruled that she shouldn't have custody of her kids. So, you know, this is something that forever changed her life, even though she wasn't a violent criminal. She was able to exercise her right to keep and bear arms in her home state. But for some stupid reason, Tony, the Second Amendment is the only right that we possess that ends at the state line. We don't lose our First Amendment rights when we, you know, cross our home state and and go vacation somewhere else. We don't lose our Fourth Amendment rights. But our Second Amendment rights apparently are predicated on where we live. And so these defense uh, or these, these public defenders are pointing out real people are suffering real harm because of these laws. And they acknowledge, yeah, these laws were put in place to protect the public safety. But they argue that they're doing a lot of damage to the public, and they're not really helping uh, because, for, you know, quite frankly, you look at the crime rate in New York right now, it's going up. If New York's gun control laws worked, well, we wouldn't be seeing this, you know, 100% rise in shootings and homicides in the Big Apple. Let's move the subject to David Chipman. This is President Biden's nominee to be the director of alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. And this is a guy who, you know, oh, he served in the ATF. Oh, he's such an honorable dude. This is an anti-gun zealot and has, even as his nomination is working his way through, is on record mocking gun ownership, mocking gun owners, and really kind of uh, spitting in the face of those senators who are going to be voting on him to the point where even the moderate Republicans and the the quasi-moderate Democrats are saying, this is too much of a radical. Yeah, so far we haven't heard any of those uh, quasi-moderate Democrats say that officially, but uh, there are a number of them on the fence. But we have seen moderates like Susan Collins of Maine, uh, Pat Toomey, Pennsylvania, both came out and said, we're not voting for Chipman. And look, if David Chipman had just spent 25 years at the ATF and then retired and he sat around for a decade and then Joe Biden said, I want you to, to head up that agency, I, I don't think you'd see the complaining. The problem is that David Chipman went from working for the ATF to going to work for Michael Bloomberg and Mayors Against Illegal Guns. And from there, he went to go to work for Giffords, the gun control group started by Gabrielle Giffords and her husband, Mark Kelly. And that's what he's done for the past decade. He's been a paid gun control lobbyist, uh, and this is a guy who I think you know has found his dream job as a paid gun control lobbyist because now he gets to espouse his anti-gun opinions. He gets paid to do so, uh, and you know if, if the Biden administration has their way, this is who they're going to elevate uh, to put in charge of the agency that oversees our nation's gun laws, uh, you know, oversees the firearms industry. This, is, this would be a dream come true to gun control activists. It would be an absolute nightmare for those of us who care about our Second Amendment rights. Isn't he the one who just did a was, – was it a, a Instagram chat or a Facebook Live? There could have been another thing he was doing where he was referring – in an interview, referring to people who, who want their guns as people waiting for the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, so that was, that was last March or April. It was on Reddit. Uh, he did an Ask Me Anything uh, which is where, you know, you sit in front of the computer and people just fire questions at you and, and you respond. And this is where a lot of his comments came out. Yeah, you're right. He referred to these new gun owners as zombies. Uh, he mocked them and basically said that, uh, you know, in a few months they're going to have to sell their guns because they're not going to be able to afford tuna fish. Um, now he's trying to claim that uh, he was actually 
it, it was a bit of self-deprecating humor. He's actually, you know, referring to himself, which makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, but he's trying to cover his rear end because he knows that he's in trouble. You know, you do have senators like Joe Manchin of West Virginia, John Tester of Montana, uh, you know, red state Democrats who, if they want to have a political future in their home state, I, I don't think they can be saddled with the baggage of voting to put a committed gun control activist in charge of that uh, of that agency. Now, let's go to a, a part two really, really quick uh, about him. Uh, you've got the story up that Gabrielle Gifford's group, right, which is a— uh, mm-hmm which is an anti-gun group, and Gabrielle Giffords has the horrible story of being shot point-blank and survived. I mean, just an incredible, an incredible story of, of her own uh, strength, never mind the marvels of medical science. And this group is um, saying it's, it's that awful gun industry that's opposed uh, to, to David Shipman. It has nothing to do with the gun owners. It's just the terrible, terrible gun industry it seems that a lot of people are opposed to David Chipman in the position. Absolutely. And this kind of backfired because uh, there were hundreds of individual gun owners chiming in with, uh, no, it's not the gun industry. It's, it's me. It's gun owners. We have a problem with David Chipman. Here's why. Uh, the National Shooting Sports Foundation, which is the firearms industry trade group, uh, Larry Keene, who's their uh, senior vice president and general counsel, did reply and said, yeah, you know what? We do have a problem with David Chipman, but we've never opposed any other nominee at the ATF. So there are legitimate reasons uh, why we oppose Shipman's nomination. But again, this is, I, I think, indicative of the fact that there really isn't a whole lot of support for David Shipman beyond the gun control world. I mean, if you go and you look at that tweet from Giffords, it's not like there were a ton of folks chiming in saying, well, no, you're absolutely right. Shipman should be confirmed. It, for the most part, uh, they got a bunch of pushback, and Shipman did not get a lot of support. Uh, you know, I think. Gun owners are far more motivated to defeat Chipman's nomination than most gun control supporters are to see him confirm. The anti-gun zealotry of of Joe Biden mm-hmm. can't be understated, and I know we are. There are so many who want to push him um, and 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 focus on him as this moderate. There's nothing moderate about Joe Biden, and there's nothing moderate about a guy who's happily working with Beto O'Rourke to bingo, get your guns. This is, as far as radicals go, as far as uh, uh, virulent leftists go in saying you should not have a Second Amendment right, I'm not wrong in thinking Joe Biden is amongst the leaders of that cause. No, you're not wrong at all. I mean, and he's been a leader for decades. You know, if it were not for Joe Biden, we wouldn't have had a ban on so-called assault weapons from 1994 to 2004. Uh, And now Biden wants to bring back that ban. He wants to add magazines. He wants to make it permanent uh, instead of sunsetting after a decade. You know, when he lets his mind wander, uh, he coughs up uh, nuggets about, you know, banning 9-millimeter handguns, which, uh, by the way, the Supreme Court has already said bans on handguns are unconstitutional. But that doesn't matter to Joe Biden. You know, the heart wants what the heart wants. And I think Joe Biden's heart really does want to disarm Americans, would like to write the Second Amendment out of the Constitution uh, because he views that as an impediment to to real progress. You know, real progress can't be made until the American people are disarmed. That is Cam Edwards. He's the editor at BearingArms.com, B-E-A-R-I-N-G, BearingArms.com. You can also check out Cam and Company. His show is right there. Cam, always a pleasure. I have got more. I'm Tony Katz. 